Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 20-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y music.net, also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, and most of the places you get your music online. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. Got an extra buck or two? You wouldn't mind tossing in the podcast tip jar? Please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Also, consider helping get the word on the street via social media, five-star rating and review, and or tell a friend or two. Happy Thought of the Day is by Cole Porter. Good authors, too, who once knew better words now only use four-letter words writing prose. Anything goes. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! I don't really care about the big time. To the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 301. Please support this week's sponsors, ID Chrysler, Zombroda, and the Beedle Club. Also, thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. Copper the Water Golden put in around 22 hours last week in therapy dog work. She keeps this up. By the end of the summer, I could buy a new Jeep. Or not. Last week's Geeks Wrap Up. Wednesday played a show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. Surly, furious release made for a super busy night. Thursday played at Washington Square in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. Great to see longtime music supporters Ken and Cindy. Friday played at Ingredients in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. Awesome to see Texas friends Len and Linda. Saturday played at Vanelli's by the Lake in Forest Lake, Minnesota. Good to see Harley Davidson Andrew rocking the King Cut Prime Rib. Upcoming shows. Wednesday, July 21st, 2021, I'll be playing at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Thursday, July 22nd, I'll be playing at Bistro 63 in Baronet, Wisconsin from 5.30 to 8 p.m. Friday, July 23rd, I'll be playing at Carmine's in Woodbury, Minnesota from 6 to 9 p.m. Saturday, July 24th, I'll be playing at Viv's in Balsam Lake, Wisconsin from 5 to 8 p.m. Sunday, July 25th, I'll be playing at No Neck Tony's in Lake Elmo, Minnesota from 4 to 8 p.m. It's part three of three of Minnesota singer, songwriter, novelist, and music critic Dylan Hicks. We talk Baron Von Raschke, Munson Hicks Party Supplies, his new album Accidental Birds, and more. Enjoy the conversation. We are in my basement in St. Paul, Minnesota. And besides family memories and old gig posters and stuff, I do have a poster of the AWA World Champions uh, yeah. signed by Mad Dog Vashon, right. given to me by Greg and Sherry Sales from Breezy Point, Minnesota. And Dylan says, "Right, I, I got, I got, I, I, you said I know. I got a couple stories about some people on this poster. Well, so I, before we move on to your newest album, yeah." What do you? What's up for this poster? Well, it's it's funny that it, I see it dressed right now because so I went to um, the University of Minnesota, and 
one of my dorm roommates was a dorm. He wasn't my roommate, but he was a dorm mate um, in Frontier Hall. His name was Carl Rashke, and he and his sister Heidi are the sons and son and son, son and daughter of the Baron Jim Ra- Jim Rashke, whose stage name was Baron von Rashke, and. And Mad Dog was his, um, he kind of took him under his wing and was his um, partner during the early parts of his career. So I didn't ever meet Mad Dog, but of course they were around him all the time when they were kids and would tell me stories about him and Vern Gagne and some of the other fighters from that era. Of course, Vern Gagne was another mentor, you know, to all those people, but to to Jim as well. Jim is a really, um, he's still living and in good health and he's a really a gentle um man father and grandfather and you know remembers your name and never always remembers what you're up to but of course also this you know imposing theatrical wrestler so that's really my only connection you know but (laughs) i used to see him on tv when i was in idaho so i did know the baron before i knew his children you know and it's just a movie that phil harder directed Maybe you saw that in the paper. Yeah, it's, I have not seen it yet, but I know it's a recent thing. Yeah, and everyone's talking about the Baron nowadays. Yeah, again. right. Yeah. So yeah, okay. That's, any other pro wrestlers you've run into in the Twin Cities overall? No, that's <laughs> that was that's really my only connection. Yeah, as far as I know. Can you do you mind talking to us about working with the semi-sonic bass player John Munson and the Munson Hicks Party Supplies? Yeah. Every chance I get, I choke. Ain't no fire, only smoke. I can see. You want to talk about that project a little bit before we move on to your record? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see, that came about. So my, the last rec- record I did on my, under my own name, which is called Add Out, and that came out in 2017, um, I had asked him if he would produce that record and play on it. And um, we really had fun doing that. Um, I had not. Um, Worked with I'd worked with producers before, but it had been a while, um, and uh, and uh, so we had a lot of fun on that project, and then enjoyed working together, and decided to from there we started working on a on a musical, a, a, a something for musical theater, um, and we got pretty far. We we had a reading. Um, I wrote a lot of songs for it. John wrote some songs for it too, and we um, we collaborated on a lot of different elements of it. Um, and uh, you know, made some good progress. I I felt a little stuck. I didn't know if it was quite my form, but I liked some of the songs that I had, the, some of the songs that I'd contribute to the show, and kind of wanted to do something with them. But didn't think it would be cool to just you know take them as Dylan Hicks songs. So I thought, well, what if we were to work together on this thing where I would contribute a group of songs, but you would be the principal singer, and we could work on it together, and you know, you'd be the lead producer, and it'd be a collaboration. Um, but something we could realize without extra funding, you know, with the th- musical theater, you need to have investors eventually, unless you're going to do it on a real shoestring. So that's kind of how it came about originally. And just because we'd like to work together and it was fun to, um, and I had always wanted to, I guess, coming back to that idea about working in Nashville, I'd always wanted to work with other singers. I thought that would be fun. So this was an experience, a chance to do that, you know, as well. And, and to relax a bit, you know, to, to be like, I've written the song, but now I'm going to let someone else, you know, interpret it and kind of maybe take it into different places. That took me a little while to be like, but, but, but I do it like this, you know. And, 
Um, and he's a great singer and a great player, great ears, you know, so it was a real, um, you know, pleasure to do that. Cool, man. So Dylan, here we are. We're finally going to talk about your new album, okay. Accidental Birds. Yeah. And I just was saying this to him off, off microphone was that a lot of times I find a lot of artists on Facebook I'm friends with or have heard about or whatever. And, and I saw this unique artwork come by. And I was like, oh, Dylan Hicks. I remember the old critic guy, you know, whatever. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so I started listening to it. I think, like I said, the first song was Twyla Tharp. And mm-hmm. I thought it was just funky and dancey and cool. And I was like, I want to listen to this stuff and talk to this guy. So I reached out to Dylan and said, that's how this all kind of worked out. And uh, so you have a ton of albums out over the years, like one, Plo Pepsi. How do you say that? Plokipsy, yeah. Plokipsy. Yeah. Isn't there a horror movie called Plokipsy, too? There might be. Well, it's in, tapes? I swore I saw it on the Shutter Channel. Yeah, it's in New York. And what the reason that na- album, I don't know why we called that, but then the album that, but that was after our first record, we would tour around a fair amount as a four piece, not really enough, but about as much as we could afford. And. And um, Poughkeepsie is one of these towns where you got to cross a bridge to get into town, and I think you got to pay a toll to get in and else to get out. And um, we got a little lost. We were trying to find this club. You know what? I think we, <laughs> I think we didn't even have a show there. <laughs> I think I think we had a day off, and we had read in the Musician Magazine Guide to Touring that like if you have a day off, you know, try to drum up a show in somewhere nearby. You know, so like, let's drive to Poughkeepsie. We just had a show and. Albany or something I don't know and so we we were kind of lost trying to find this club and we slowed down there was a guy on the sidewalk uh, we're on a bus shelter we slowed down and the bass player slowed down let's ask this guy if he knows and I kind of thought I don't think this guy's gonna know where this club is you know it doesn't think he's gonna he's you know this guy was well he's probably my age now but he seemed old at the time you know and um, so John asked him where this you know where's the dogs bite boozery or wherever we were thought we were going to get a gig and I ain't from Poughkeepsie (laughs) (laughs) so that became our stock thing you know like if we didn't know the answer to any question you know I ain't from Poughkeepsie you know Um, so that's why we named the uh, we didn't really think at the time that like it's not a good name for an album because no one could pronounce it because it doesn't you know it's not a phonetic kind of thing you know and so I don't wouldn't have been able to pronounce it had I not passed through Poughkeepsie. Um, I think what it is because I do musical theater too in the mm-hmm. summertime. My hometown, I'm big. I'm a big fan of like theater anyway. Yeah. And I do the Tennessee Williams test, or what he always said: you should title something with a k, a hard consonant mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. So Poughkeepsie is it's it's got the k. It just spelled so goofy. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, the words. yeah. Right. It's spelled like a freaking eye chart. <laughs> right. It is a it is a cool word. I did get covered in the Poughkeepsie Daily ten years after the album came out. Some enterprising reporter contacted me like, "Why did you call this album Poughkeepsie?" And then. I guess the story around. I didn't notice any uptick in sales from that area, but it did get into the paper. Yeah. So, so anyway. what I'm basically saying is that Dylan's got a zillion albums out. You can check them out. It's all on iTunes and everything else. Alive with pleasure. And then he's, uh, you're saying Bowling Green sings Bowling Green from a character from one of your books, right? Yeah. So I had a novel come out. I have two novels out, and the first one has sort of a musical subtext. And there's a a character there who's boarding windows, right? Yeah, the name of that book is Boarded Windows, and that character named Bowling Green is kind of like an also-ran of the uh, 
sort of Austin-based uh, um, outlaw country movement. And so he kind of, um, he's sort of a secondary character in that book. And so I decided, I had already written a bunch of the titles and fragments of lyrics in the, in the manuscript. And as I was finishing the book, I thought, I wish I could just write these as songs. And so the premise was that I would, I would cover these songs. Um, yeah, so that was kind of my first, I had not played music for almost 10 years. And that was the first time I kind of dabbled back into it. And I was kind of gradually shifted focus again where now I'm mostly a musician who also writes for a while I was mostly a writer who also played music nice so listeners if you want more Dylan Hicks there's a sea of things you can get into and Bandcamp uh, is I, I always try to I mean I, I'm happy with people streaming on Spotify that's great but Bandcamp is where I sell things directly and communicate with fans directly so and that I, this is my first experience with Bandcamp was okay, you yeah. sending that over I thought it was really accessible real easy uh, sounded good. Can read up all about it. I thought it was good. nice. I really like it. And you know, it is. Uh, then all the they they take a small, you know, percentage, but all the money goes into my PayPal account. Um, and so I can use that to pay musicians for the next record. You know, and that yeah, that's really nice. And you know, I just ship them out myself. I go to the post office. You know, like during these periods, I'm at the post office every day because there's always orders coming in. And I really like it. It's also, I mean. I use Spotify myself, and I'm not, I'm not, wherever people can hear the music, that's great. I, I love it. It is also true that if someone wanted to, for me to make the equivalent amount of money from a Spotify listen, they would have to listen to the album 500 times all the way through. <laughs> I mean, I think, this, I, I think it's a good record, but I think at that point, you should probably branch out. <laughs> I think there are other records you'd want to check out before you got 500 times into mine. Summer adventures with my niece and nephews and Copper the Wonder Golden, of course, trashing my car with live bait, slush puppies, Dairy Queen rappers could not be funner or more memorable than in my black Jeep Cherokee I got from ID Chrysler. With 250,000 miles, my old car was just too much for the poor thing to take. I found myself looking for my new dream ride at ID Chrysler, and the staff couldn't have more helpful with me choosing a vehicle and willing to work with my, as I call it, musician's credit score. Their philosophy is simple, time-saving, hassle-free, fair price. Check out their inventory at Zombroda CDJ or take the beautiful drive down US 52 to 1900 Roscoe Avenue, Zombrota, Minnesota to visit them in person. Business hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 9 to 5 p.m. Closed on Sundays. Check out ID Chrysler Zombrota today and enjoy a safe summer season full of adventures and memories out in the open road in a new ride. At least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a pay for music. It's, that's a whole other thing as far as putting this stuff out and how right. much you make off it. But, but uh, I feel, I mean, the truth is, I'm kind of being facetious. I am I really feel fortunate that, you know, when I was younger, I was like, well, to be honest, when I was younger, I, yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to do this on a somewhat bigger stage. There have been times when my obscurity has felt like failure. But now that I'm 50, I kind of feel like, hey, I'm still doing this. You know, and I still love doing it. I feel like I'm still learning new things. I feel like I love playing music with other people and learning from them. So that's success, right? And enough people are paying attention that I feel like it's good. So I'm not trying to be like Mr. Inspiration, but you know, um, but it does feel like it's it does feel like um, things worked out in in their own way, even if they weren't quite the fantasy I had when I was in my bedroom at 17. 
I'm I'm feel grateful to have the chance to keep doing it. I like that too. That that viewpoint of it too, because I like I'm really into blues and old mm-hmm. jazz guys and all that kind of stuff. And I like a lot of funk too. Mm-hmm. These guys are 40s and 50s when they had their main stuff out. Yeah, you know, main yeah. guitar players. Sometimes like I think it's always be a good, like Dan Neal used to say when he played my band forever. Just always be a student of the music, always yeah. learning, and and you never know where it's going to wind you up. Right, you know, enjoy right. the journey, but always be getting better. Yeah, and uh, right. yeah, it's not a competition. No, you know, it's like that's where I think we go wrong is when we get so focused on comparing ourselves to this other performer or whatever and losing sight of what made us want to do it in the first place. Yes, I agree. Um, So getting to Accidental Birds, uh, how did this project come about and uh, where'd you record it at? How how did the genesis of this start out? Yeah, well, I was, I was, I had written a few songs in the early part of 2000. 20 before the pandemic started in the states and i sort of was thinking yeah it'd be fun to go in uh to a studio maybe with a different group than the months and Hicks party supplies group and just kind of try a somewhat different thing without really i'm not sure what that would lead to but then the pandemic did hit and so i said well let's hold off on that you know don't not sure what this is where this is going to lead but i did have a few of those songs and then i kind of kept writing during the pandemic i had periods where i was pretty productive and then periods where i was kind of depressed and not really able to do a whole lot i was pretty anxious as we were leading up to the election and and of course with the pandemic itself and you know not to be all not turn this into a you know therapy session but i you know i have some problems with depression and they were aggravated by this whole period you know so i felt pretty lonely um but i did manage to do some writing then after the election, I I kind of felt a little more relaxed, and I around that time I called John Fields, who's a great producer and engineer and musician, classic Twin Cities uh, guy. Oh yeah, and you know, and if you've seen him work, I mean, the he just he's so intuitive and so um, he's so um, fluid. You know, he the ideas come to him very very quickly, and they're good ideas. You know, I'm I'm more like, uh, give me a lot. You're gonna have, need to give me half an hour, and maybe I'll have something. You know, he's like, he's got it. You know, who does he all work with? People mention him on the show all the time. Mm-hmm. I know he's in with Adam Levy and all them. Yeah, and was he with the, uh, the well, Flame and O's too? No, he's younger than that. So I mean, uh, so he came. He grew up east, but so his uncle um, wrote and produced uh, "Funky Town" by Lips Incorporated. John is a musician in his own right, so that does that's. But I mean, he, his uncle was kind to John and kind of like, you know, gave him some advice about home recording and about recording. Is that Stephen Greenberg? Yeah, and then John eventually settled in Minneapolis and started up his own little studio, and um, he worked with a lot of um, Minneapolis people, just any clients. He worked with some. Uh, Willie Wisely is a friend of mine who he did some really cool 
productions for Willie. Um, and then he was in uh, Greasy Meal, you know, and they had a huge club following in um, at the Caboose, and then it grew from there. He would have produced their records as well. Then he produced, um, you know, he, he moved to L.A. and he produced things by the Jonas Brothers. He produced a number of country things. He produced a really successful hard rock group whose name I can't remember right now. Um, sorry about that. But, That's okay. you know, if you That's look awesome. at his page, yeah. it's, a, it's very long. A lot of, a lot of, you know, I think there's a Dixie Chicks thing in there. I don't want to give him credits that, that aren't correct, but a lot of different stuff. Um, so, um, and, you know, he's also a great bass player, a harmony singer, a guitarist, keyboardist. He's a real, um, you know, I think of him as kind of like a John Bryan figure, if you know John Bryan is the multi-instrumentalist and producer who also, you know, he's worked with everybody from Amy Mann to Kanye West and Brad Meldow, and he can just kind of... I mean, John's a little bit like that, where he can do a lot of things. Um, and so he advised me on a little... I didn't. I hadn't had a home studio since the 90s when I had a reel-to-reel. So I bought a laptop and I bought Ableton Live, which is one of the Pro Tools, you know, competitors, and kind of learned how to do that. And I got, a, you know some microphones and I fooled around with it for about mm, a week and a half and I thought I had something that was presentable so I just sent it said John will you mix this I just want to get a sense for what it's what does it sound like because I'm not really a mixing engineer you know and four hours later I get this mix back you know how about this I'm like well this sounds like music you know like as it turns out that wasn't one of the songs I used for the record and I had played everything on it, you know, so, but it, but I listened to it and I thought, oh, I could probably make a record like this. And I just, I could ask some of my friends to contribute remotely so I don't have to play everything. Because I'm not, you know, I'm not the great, you know, I'm not Prince, <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, that's just kind of gave me the, the, gave me the confidence to do that. And I started um, building the tracks usually with, programming stuff and then playing some keyboards playing acoustic instruments getting it to a point writing a chart um and then i would send it to a friend and i'd have i'd send the the two track of what i had done so far send them the chart and then write a little note about sort of what i had in mind they would send that back to me and then i would bring it to the next person and you know maybe sometimes some of the tracks have three people some four some five so that's how we did most of it and then we did a few things in March, or was it February? I can't remember, but it was a it was a low point in the virus load in Minnesota. So we did very two very brief sessions without rehearsal with masks on, and we were separated quite a distance. Um, and those were more conventional basic tracks, and then I recorded lead vocals and some additional overdubs at my place. Okay. Who's the uh, who's the guitar? Uh, did you write and play the guitar parts? It's some really cool, oh, yeah, interesting, no. jazzy kind of funky guitar. Yeah. Is that Adam or who is? Well, that? there are three guitars. So the the bulk of the tracks guitar tracks are by Zach Harris, and he's also on the Munson Hicks um, album. And uh, he's he, he's principally a jazz guitarist and a great player. Um, I love playing with him. You know, he's got he's got chops for days but he's also got a real he's got a really great harmonic knowledge so i love um you know 
going over the chart or, you know, he's, is that really what you want to call that chord? And I said, well, yeah, because he's, well, I don't know. And we have these little, you know, friendly arguments, you know. Um, and, uh, but, you know, he just, he's just, uh, he's a great player, but also he loves songs. So I think he's really a great, you know, he really tries to service the song. And I just really like being with him too. So his, he's on a lot of that. Adam plays on the Twilight Tharp tune. Okay. Doubles, double stuff. He's got the great phase pedal. He's, he's, he's got such a great, you know, feel for the sort of R&B rhythmic stuff, you know, and uh, and then he, he does a couple things with the fuzz pedal on that that are subtextual, but they really drive it. And then Jeremy Ilvesacker plays on that more new wave tune, the I Didn't Move the Body. I loved that song. Oh, that was thanks, one of my yeah. favorites. I have a list of my favorite five off okay, of the 15 yeah, yeah. or whatever yeah. that I liked. And that was one of my favorites. I was okay. joking about you earlier yeah. today. Um, lyrical influences. So that one just off the top of my head is I didn't, whatever, I didn't tell the authorities. I didn't tell the, the CMT or whatever it was. Who's your lyrical, uh, like, stoic sage? Who is your favorite uh, lyricist? Or where did you get, mm. who triggered that idea? That particular song, or just, or just in general? Maybe just in general. Yeah, I mean that song was so that part of that song was your the, rhymes. Maybe it's the hip hop thing because your rhymes are just so. I love it. It's so unique. It might be a little bit of that because I mean I think that like I also like some of the pre rock songwriters like Cole Porter or Rodgers and Hart, where they do they kind of look for like the sort of unusual rhyme. Like I like an unusual rhyme that's amusing but doesn't detract from the point of the story you know like i will reject a rhyme where i thought well the only point of that is the rhyme yeah that's okay if it's a comic thing like it's just a joke but i don't want it to be like so distracting that you do you lose the thread of the story you know but if i can get in a rhyme that's not you haven't heard a million times that's um that's cool sometimes i don't do that because it's like a lot of times what you really need is the vowel sound you know because sometimes i need an ooh you know, I have to, you know, to sing this note the way I want to sing it, it's got to have a, it's got to have an ooh sound, you know? So that's my first priority, you know? It is. I mean, not, not in every case, but oftentimes I have a melody, I'm singing the melody with nonsense lyrics, you know, and, you know, it's do-do-do-do, I know I can hit the note and I can, I can, I can sustain it the way I want. I can't do that with an awe on this particular note. So vowel sounds in, to direct, um, the the words a lot too um but anyway i think there is that hip-hop thing too i also love old detective novels noir novels and um you know i I read some contemporary ones too but there was an old american well he was a canadian but he wrote here named ross mcdonald who wrote a, a whole series of novels set in la and i love the um i love the uh, philip marlowe you know books and and so I was sort of thinking about, I have written a couple of literary novels, and I was sort of thinking, oh, maybe I should try to write a detective novel. Um, but I, I kind of I got bogged down. I wasn't sure if it was quite the guy to do it, you know. So um, I just used some of the terms, you know, from like, you know, you go to, in a police procedural, you know, you have, um, you're going to have to deal with a lot of the other shells. 
you know, in the room, um, you know, um, case, you know, shell casings or are there other, is other evidence like that, you know, and, you know, did you touch the body? You know, the EMT asked, did you touch the body? That kind of thing. So I just thought I would have the character, um, even though I wasn't really thinking literally character was in this crime scene, I just wanted to use some of that language and really have a song, sort of a song kind of about guilt in gen, you know, that could be about any aspect of your life, you know, um, and to feel kind of guilty and feel like you're going to be uncovered, you know. It seems a lot of your songs seem so lyrically well crafted. Do you spend like like it seems so like it's something you do every day? Like do you when you write your lyrics for a song like that? Do you start with like this outline or like a like in in some songwriters they'll use like a word web hmm. like I want to get this word in there, I want to get this word in there, and then kind of piece it together that way? How, or do you like are you playing along and this is like you said you kind of hmm. scat sing and put it together? Yeah. What's how do you get these these lyrics so crafted? Oh, that's really nice of you to say. Well, you know it kind of comes in a different ways. I mean, a lot of these songs from this record were written fairly quickly. About half of them were put together during the recording period, which was like November to February. And a lot of times those songs were like, oh, okay, I have this musical foundation that I built up basically on the laptop, you know, and uh, it's almost hard for me to remember how they, you know, if I have a title and the title suggests a theme, like with the Charlie Tharp tune, you know, the title came to me, you know, um, you know, um, I am the strings, you are the harp, you make me dance like Charlotte Tharp. So then I thought, okay, it's a dance song, and why don't we make it a song about uh, dancing and you know, a romantic dancing song for people who probably might have some old videotapes in the house, and it's not an ironic retro thing. They just have them. I want to tell you about one of my favorite bars in the Roseville slash St. Paul, Minnesota area. The B-Dale Club, located on the corner of County Road B. And Dale's motto is, a place for family, a place for friends, a place for fun. And that is the truth. After my show in White Bear Lake last Thursday, I got a text from Buddy Tinez, and they were all gathered down at the B-Dale Club. I had to make a loop down there, and it was so good to be back. It had been about a month. The new kitchen, Jamaican Me Crazy's quesadilla, is one of the best I've ever had in my life. Rob, Emily, Natalie, Shelley, and entire bar staff are all state-of-the-art cocktail wizards. As of late, my libation of choice is the classic Greyhound cocktail. And there to quote 16-time world champion Ric Flair, tasty little devils. Save the date, B-Dale Club Barbecue Contest, August 7th. Live music, pool table, pool tabs, bingo, bocce ball tournaments, and much, much more. B-Dale's got it all. Stop by for a cold one soon <laughs> they just have them because they never got rid of that copy of goonies or this is like their their kid's three-year-old birthday party they've never revisited the video but it's there but you know um so you know there's a line you know text the sitter let's dance some more and our our kid is long past the sitter stage but you know i just thought in a couple of these songs i thought i want to write songs that are kind of about dancing and sort of the, the themes of sex and dancing and romance and the themes that are dominate dominate pop music for young people but with a perspective that's middle-aged you know um so that was part of the the goal you know and with that you know and then as far as lyric writing i some of them come quickly some of them take me a while i do write them in a notebook then i put them in a word document and then i print out the word document and i edit it just kind of like i'd edited a piece of prose you know and i keep changing um, I'm a little bit more casual, I'd say, than I am when writing 
you know, prose, um, because I am thinking a lot about the rhythm and the vowel sounds and the, you know, like, and not every line can be perfect in a literary sense because it also has to have, it also has to work musically, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, I'm always playing with different types of lyric styles too. Um, I've lately I've been into like Bernie Toppin. Oh sure, you know, yeah. and the how they did that. How did he? And I was because they're selling his writing, so he'd write it on a sheet of paper and just hand it to Elton or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, oh, for if my grandmother's listening, Bernie Toppin is the uh, co-songwriter with Elton John and all right. his almost all his stuff. I just mentioned I have a new song that hasn't been recorded yet that mentions Bernie Toppin's name. So yeah. He's an absolute genius. You know, and so is Elton, too. I, yeah. I cover some of their songs, and, and God, Elton's got some chord changes just as unique as freaking Bernie's wordsmithing, yeah. you know? Yeah, right. Um, okay, before we wrap this all up, I'm going to ask about one more song on there. So we talked yeah. about Twilight Tharp was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Winola, we talked to that right away, kicking that off. And then mm-hmm. I didn't move the body, but Drunk From Work is one of my other favorite oh, okay. ones. Okay, good, yeah, yeah. Uh, can you tell me about, like, the story behind that song? Yeah. Well, let's see. So that one was one that was written um, before the um, recording project um, started up. So like, um, so some of the songs, you know, like I was saying, they kind of came about through building loops and building, you know, foundations on the laptop and through the Ableton and like Twilight Tharp with one of those, one of that procedure, like I mentioned, kind of the lyrical thrust. Part of it was just like me thinking... I know I'm, I'm going to get back to drunk from work. Yeah, no. <laughs> but part of it was like I was thinking like, what is it that there's there are some tunes I like that are big top forty hits, you know, like like some of those Dua Lipa tunes or Harry Styles, right, or just things like this that you know I'm not as attuned to that sound as I used to be, but I was thinking, what is it I like, you know, what is it what is it they do? Well, they're all three hundred three minutes and twenty seconds long, and they're all a four chord loop, you know. I wasn't not every song, but like I looked at four or five of them. It's all a four chord loop, every one of them, and um, and they just layer interesting elements on you know on that static harmony. Now I can't do that. I'm not producing on that level with that kind of you know. So I wasn't saying like I can do that too, but I was just thinking like because I I love a, like a modulation or some kind of tricky chord thing or something that gives the players something to work on, work with. But I thought yeah, just keep it simple. Like just just hammer those four chords out and just kind of like. So it'd be, you know, the little bit of exercise element, which sometimes for me is a, a songwriting thing, like, this is my challenge. Only four chords, and this is the theme, and I've got my thing, you know. With Drunk From Work, that was a bit more organic. I just remember sitting at the piano and started playing it, um, and and then wrote it that afternoon. What, I wasn't too excited about it, I guess, because I thought, I thought I had written it before. Like, I think I've written this song, you know, like, not literally, but it felt like I had covered the same ground. I've written a lot of songs. For me, I'm really, well, okay, to get personal, um, I've been pretty uh, fortunate in life. You know, I, I, I have a really um, great marriage, long-term marriage with my wife, Nina Hale. We've been together since I was 24, and um, she's always supported my work, and there have been periods when I wasn't making much money, but she was, so it helped let let me keep doing my art stuff, you know. Um, 
I just say that. I just try to be honest about it because it really has opened some doors that not everybody has. And I try to be aware of that privilege, you know. Um, but I, I think from growing up and from everything else, my characters are almost are often people who are struggling. That's the character that draws me, you know. That's where I feel empathy and sympathy and like, and I feel like I've been in that place myself, whether literally or emotionally or whatever. And that's sort of, um, I don't know. It's just kind of the character that I often find myself, you know, wanting to to write from that perspective. So I guess with this one, I felt like maybe this is a little similar to some other tunes. So I just kind of had it aside. And then when I had the laptop, I thought, well, I have this chart from this tune. I'm just going to start plugging it in. And I just started, like, you know, using the, the grid on, on Ableton. It's just like notation. You just take your notation or your card chart and you just, you know, you just enter it, really. And I thought, I'll just do this as a stopgap and then I'll play it conventionally. It was late at night anyway. And I kind of got a groove going and then some drum programming, and, and I really dug it. And I said, okay, now I'm going to put some acoustic in instruments over that. Then I asked JT Bates, the great drummer, can you play over this? You know, I've got a loop. Just play over the loop. And, um, and then I brought in um, Chris Thompson, tenor saxophonist, um, to play on that. And I just loved what, what he did. And all of a sudden, I thought, I don't know, this sounds kind of unusual to me, and I really love it. I think it's different. You know, it doesn't feel at all familiar to me. So that was a good example of where the song initially felt, it didn't feel like a departure. And then when we did the recording, I did the recording, and the other people contributed, I felt like like all of a sudden it was something that I hadn't done before. So I was really, you know, excited about that. What's when it when it jumped out to me is I I walk my dog who become Dylan's best friends I didn't know she was sitting under your feet this whole time yeah, she yeah. just moved now Copper yeah. the Wonder Golden I called her I call her but uh, we were going for a walk and listed a lot of music and stuff and I thought it was catchy and then you had a one line that popped in I I dove right in the, it was something about like your your ACL or something like that what, rotator what? cuff yeah rotator cuff yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I've never heard that in a song. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. when I dove back into it. I was like, oh, this one's popping for me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Um, I'm glad. Yeah, so great song. Thank you. I do think that those de you got those details, I think, are really... I um, I look for those, and I'm always glad when, when one works with the rhyme and works rhythmically, because I think it's that... Those are the things that, that become memorable and that, you know... Um, I think that as a, you know, for me with songwriting, I think it, it's that combination of, you do need to write about the stuff that's universal enough to resonate with a lot of people, you know, whether it's, it's love or it's loneliness or it's suffering or it's anger, or, you know, a lot of these basic things are the things that drive a great song, you know, um, I was just listening to uh, an old song, Ed James, I'd Rather Go Blind, um, that I've loved since I was a teenager. And it's just a song about heartbreak and not, you know, and being left behind in a relationship. It's very straightforward, but it's just, everything is so um, poignant in it. And then there are these details about, you know, about the reflection and the glass, wine glass, and, you know. So I think that you have to have it's vagueness that kills a song. You know, you see a song and it's just like, what does that mean? That's what, 
what do you mean by that? It's just too general. You gotta have that universality, universality, but you gotta have these visual, specific things that put an image in someone's head and make them think, yeah, I've had that experience, or I can picture that. And that's what I try to do when I'm revising: is like get down to line by line and be like, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean? You know, can, is there something more that will provide more clarity so they can, so the listener has a mental picture? Outstanding. I love it. Mr. Dylan Hicks, thanks for being on the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. I got to pack her up. I got to head to a show here pretty yeah. soon. Well, thanks uh, for we talking. Three it's... episodes with Dylan. This has been great. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. And we'll definitely have you on again someday. You, and if you want more, Dylan Hicks' new album, Accidental Birds, is coming out. It's spectacular. And uh, check out one of his books. And do you have a primary website you want to send yeah, people to? Yeah, just DylanHicks.com. Yeah. And thanks. And you can also go to the Dylan Hicks Bandcamp site to pick up the stuff. And thanks so much for having me. I said uh, before we did it, you know, it's like it's really unusual for someone on my level to be able to talk at length and as you have as i've demonstrated doesn't i can do it um and i really appreciate it and to have someone um like yourself who's a musician and who's done the research and has the intelligent questions that opens up these kind of dialogue this kind of dialogue it means a lot to me so thank, thank you, you for dylan. what you're doing yeah i appreciate that i appreciate that as well all right thanks to dylan being on the show and we'll see you soon we'll see you again yeah all right Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for new podcasts about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. Again, please support this week's sponsors, ID Chrysler, Zombrota, and the B-Dale Club. This is also a listener-supported podcast. If you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the musical edits on this show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging at iTunes tunes and load up on some new songs also if you get a chance please go check out some live music somewhere it could be a great and worthwhile experience life for sure go have some fun till next time
to feel this sad, but that won't kill me. I've been dreaming about the old Ford Bridge, but that's a high one and I can't swim. At least I got this blood to deter me. It's not impossible. 